What is your work? How do you spend your days? What are you making? What are you getting done? What do you accomplish with your hours? What is your work? For those in Christ, there are better questions. Who do you worship in the work that you do? Who are you serving in your labor? Whose glory drives your effort? How does how you do your work reveal the character of God? Will tomorrow be measured in dollars and hours and completed tasks? Or will the day be counted in eternity as one spent in service to the King? In the name of Jesus, we will strive for excellence. We will build with integrity. We will create order and beauty. And whatever we do with our hands, our hearts will declare, I am a living sacrifice. This is my offering to you. That is our work. Really glad to have all of you today at the well and want to ask you to be in prayer. To be in prayer for a move of the Holy Spirit that would not allow for a good message or anything like that. You know, that's fine. We want a good message. But what we want is transformed hearts. And I can stand up here and I can talk and yell and do that thing all day long. But if your heart is not willing and ready to hear the word of God then it is in vain and it's no good. So I pray that you would open up your minds and open up your hearts and that you would seek God and ask God before we ever start this word that he would tear down the barriers that you and I have built. We must hear the voice of God because beyond that there is nothing. There is nothing. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray for my friends, my family, my brothers and my sisters right now. God, I pray for myself. Lord, you know that we need you desperately, but we often fail to look for you, to listen for you, to walk toward you. God, I pray that we right now would lower our guards, that we would pray and ask that the Holy Spirit grant us repentance, that he would grant us ears, ears to hear and hearts to receive. God, I pray for these here that they would be moved by the Spirit of God today that they would see you more clearly, that they would love you more deeply. God, help us all to get out of the way and let you do your thing, to let you do your work. May your work be renewed and revived today in this place, and may we move and leave changed forevermore. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. The scripture today is in the book of Nehemiah. 
the book of Nehemiah, we're in chapter 4, verses 10 through 23. The message today is entitled, The Work of God. The Work of God. And what I want to talk to you about is exactly that. I want to talk to you about the work of God. I want, you, I want to talk to you about your work and the things that you do in your everyday life and the things that I do in my everyday life and the reasons that we do those things and the results that come about from our work. I wonder what we think about when we think about the work of God. In your mind, does the work of God revolve around things that you do that are organized by this church or by another church or by some organization? Do you consider the work of God the mission project that's coming up on Thursday? Do you consider the work of God the thing that we're going to do with Christmas in Actions that you're signing up for today? Do you consider the work of God the fact that you come here and you set up on Sunday mornings to get ready to have this service? Do you consider the work of God standing up here before a group of people and preaching the word of God? Do you consider the work of God learning your instruments and practicing so that you can play the notes just right, so that you can lead people? Friends, that's not the work of God. You say, what are you talking about? I'm telling you again, those things are not the work of God. In the book of John, it tells us in chapter 6, the work of God is this, to believe in the one that he sent. You've got to understand, your job is not to get out and grunt and do and go and pull and work. That is a reaction to the love relationship that you have with the king. Your work is to get on your face. Do y'all understand that? Do y'all get what I'm saying? You cannot go out here and work for Jesus in order to receive a blessing. It does not work that way. What the worship leader said, what Wesley said, what the pastor said is exactly right. You cannot gain any more love from Christ by doing your best. It doesn't work that way. And if you think it does, you will be sorely mistaken and you will cry in the end. You cannot make God love you any more than he did on that cross. The book of Galatians says the fruit of the Spirit is this, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and it goes on. Do you get what it says? The fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, the work, the results of the Spirit the things that you do should not be a result of your effort, but a result of what God is doing inside of you. You've got to understand, it's not your work that makes the difference. It's the work of Christ that makes the difference in you. The things that you do is a result of the one who died for you. It is not something that you've conjured up in order to get something done. Is this making sense? Today I want to talk to you about the work of God, and I want to, I want to talk to you about the work that lasts. I want to talk to you about work that lasts for an eternity, that goes beyond the here and the now. You see, we may be going, and we've got a $10,000 grant, and all that's awesome, all that's fine, but I will tell you this, and this will give you an example of what I mean. If me or you or anyone else in this room, we can go out there and we can spend the money. We can spend $20,000. We can spend $100,000. We can rebuild 100 homes. We can get after it night and day till the stars come out. But if we do not bring Jesus with us, you should have went right back to the house. Waste, dust, puffs of smoke, here for a little while and gone tomorrow. Nothing. It's in vain. We want eternal results. We want to speak Jesus into the life. And when we 
help someone in this church, when we love you, when you come to us for a need and we don't say no and we, we love on you and we, we, we come after you, it's not so that we can meet that direct need. It is, but it's not. The underlying reason, the underlying foundation is that you might see the love of God and that you might look at Him and see that He's the one doing the true work and that you might give way to Him, that He might do the real work in your life. You see, as we, that's why I told you a while ago, we are letting you. God is letting me. He is inviting us to be a part of His work so that we can better understand the work that He's doing in our lives. Do you understand that? This is an amazing truth that if you could tap into it, if I could tap into it, we would be much less exhausted, exhausted and much more exalted. Aren't you tired? Aren't you tired of even busting your tail? To do the right thing, only to feel left, lost, and broken at the end of the day? Maybe you're putting way too much effort in doing the right thing and not enough effort into knowing the true king. Come on, that's good. Hey, we need to know Jesus Christ. Everything else has got to go. And out of our relationship with Christ will flow all the wonderful things that need to be done. Let's get into the scriptures. Nehemiah chapter 4. Got to come out of this. Nehemiah chapter 4, starting in verse 10. A lot of you know the story of Nehemiah and the work that he did rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. He did an amazing task, and, and God used him to fortify a city and to build up a city that had been broken down. He put this vision into his heart. He planned it out. He went that way with a lot of opposition. A lot of you are facing opposition today, and you're saying, Brandon, I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do that, but Satan's coming at me left and right, left and right. I'm telling you that you need to get on your face and ask God to fight your battle for you, to do the work for you, because unless God is fighting with you, you will be defeated. Let's read and see what Nehemiah says. Chapter 4, starting in verse 10. <clears throat> In Judah it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There is too much rubble. By ourselves we will not be able to rebuild the wall. And our enemies said, they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. At that time the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us ten times, you must return to us. You see, they were casting rumors. They were saying, your work is crazy. The things that you're doing with your hand is useless. Don't you understand? There's too much here. These guys are going to crumble. They're going to stop working. They're going to go away. This is just a joke. And some of the Jews were buying into it. And they were saying, we just need to stop this. We need to get out of here. And I'm telling you, the enemy's going to come, and he's going to come harder. And what he's going to say to you is, this is a joke. And it doesn't matter if you're at the well, if you're, if you're at another church in the community, if you're, if you're from another church out of state and you're visiting today, it doesn't matter. God is going to uphold you if you will only surrender to him. He continues on. At that time, the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us ten times, You must return to us. So in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall, in open places, I stationed the people by their clans with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and, the, and to the officials 
and to the rest of the people. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. He's saying, I know they're coming. I know it's going to be tough, but there's more at stake here. You don't lay down, young soldier. You stand and you fight to the very end because there's more at stake than just me and just you. And I need to hear that. When our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plan, we all returned to the wall. We all returned to our work, each to his work. From that day on, half of my servants worked on construction and half held the spear shields, bows, and coats of mail. And the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah who were building on the wall. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each laborer, each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other, the sword and the trial. And each of the builders had his sword strapped to his side while he built. The man who sounded the trumpet was beside me, and I said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, the work is great and widely spread, and we are separated on the wall far from one another. In the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. Our God will fight for us. This is what Nehemiah believed. So we labored at the work, and half of them held the spears from the break of dawn until the stars came out. I also said to the people at that time, let every man and his servant pass the night within Jerusalem that they may be a guard for us by night and may labor by day. So neither I nor my brothers nor my servants nor the men of the guard who followed me, none of us took off our clothes. Each kept his weapon at his right hand. Lord God, please bless the reading and the hearing of your word. I've got four things that I want to show you out of this text this morning. Four things that you need to understand and that you need to put in place in your life and that you need to bury deep down inside of you and right on your heart so that the work of God might flow out of you. You see, what I don't want you to think is, is that works are no good and the things that you do with your hands are no good. That's not why I say to you that the works are no good or that Jesus Christ is the only work that matters. The reason I say those things to you at the beginning of the service is I need for you to understand that working to be working or working to gain access is in vain, silly, and exhausting. The work of God comes at His hand. And our only work is to believe in Him so that His Spirit would be implanted inside of us and then the things that we do would be an outpouring of that Spirit. It's not work to gain acceptance. It is evidence of a relationship. You've got to see that. It is imperative. The first thing I want to show you is that nothing, let nothing stop you from the work. Nothing should stop us from the work. Nothing should slow you down. Nothing should knock you off course. You should be chasing Jesus every minute of every day, every second of every minute, every day of the week. We need to be looking for Jesus, talking to Jesus, walking with Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. He will be the anchor for everything else that you do, and then you will prosper. Let nothing stop you. From the work. You see, they were coming after Nehemiah and they were coming after the people that Nehemiah had raised up to do this wall, to fix this wall, 
two in particular, two men who were, they hated Nehemiah and they hated the fact that Jerusalem was being rebuilt. They hated it. They wanted to put a stop to it. And so they came after them with everything that they had. And you see, you've got to understand that there will be attack. There will be attack in your life. There will be times where the attack does not come from the outside, but the attack comes from within. You see, I deal with that as well. You see, I am a sinner. But I am in a tough situation here, just like you. How many times have you heard, I can't do that. I can't talk to them about Jesus because I have my own sin. Oftentimes, the attack comes from within and Satan speaks to our spirit and that voice comes and it says just like this, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are standing in front of those people? Who do you think you are talking to them about Jesus? You know what you did last week. You know what you did yesterday? Who are you to discipline your son? Do you know the sin that you have in your life? And we cower. Last night, my son told, I mean, my son, my son told me a lie. Straight to my face. And he got me. It got me in trouble, too. Because Heather was going shopping. And that's cool. And she wasn't going to make me go. Amen. But the deal was, is that I give all three boys a bath before she gets home. I'm not cool. No problem here, mama. It take me like eight and a half minutes. <laughs> Clean, bing. You know what I'm saying? You could eat off of that head. Not really. Well, I was about to give him baths. I picked out clothes. I put the clothes on the on the counter in the bathroom and about to start running the water. And Titus comes in. He's like, "Oh, daddy." We already had baths. They called my mom, Lily. They stayed night with her the night before. They said, Lily gave us baths last night. And I knew that mama had said that they were kind of dirty, but I looked at her clothes, and the clothes was dirty, and I, I didn't really look at them too much. I just believed them. And I thought, well, they must have had a bath and got the same clothes put back on them, and what she meant was they needed some new clothes. And, you know, I didn't really want to give them a bath anyway. <laughs> so I really wanted to believe them. So I'm like, oh, good. Go change clothes. <laughs> Well, Heather gets home, and she's like, did you get the boys baths? I was like, no, they already have baths. She's like, Brandon, did you look behind their ears? I said, well, no. They're disgusting. <laughs> you got me in trouble. So then when I went to get on Titus, and I went to scold him and discipline him, man, for whatever reason, Satan, I know what it is. I, you know, I got things I struggle with, too. But Satan just come out, bam, and right when I told him, I can't believe you lied to me. How, and this is what I told Titus. I set him down. I said, son, how can you, I can't believe you lied to me. I love you, and I had been good to him that day. He had supposed to have lost his iPad, but I was letting him watch a little bit of iPad. And I told him, I said, I was good to you today. I was gracious to you today. How come you lied to me? You're breaking our trust, son. I want to be able to trust you. Don't you trust daddy? He said, yeah, and he was crying. And I said, I want to be able to trust you. How can I believe what you say if you lie to me? And I don't know if it was God or Satan. It might have been God. Just hit me. Boom. You do the same thing to me, boy. Oh. How often do you lie to God? God, I'm sorry. I didn't have time today. I didn't have time. 
I make time, son. No, literally, God made time for you. But oftentimes, the attack comes from within, and we feel like we can't go, and we can't worship, and we can't speak for Christ, and we can't be used for Christ, and we can't be used for God because of our own personal sin. When Jesus Christ is saying, I hung on the cross for that sin, you're going to look at me and say, yeah, Jesus, but you, you weren't good enough to cover this one. Don't you understand that's what you're doing? When you look at God and you say, God, I can't work for you because of this sin, God's saying, I, I took care of that. And you're saying, I don't know if you could have handled this one. God took care of that. He took care of that. His love extends beyond anything that you could have possibly done. He said it right earlier. When he knew your sins, he knew your sins from the beginning to the end in the middle. Don't you understand that when he died on the cross, he is all-knowing. He knew everything, not just the sin that you had committed, You've got to understand that. He is not held to this time zone. He is not held to this life right here, right now. He is eternal, far above and beyond, transcendent, overarching everything. He knew your sins, past, present, and future. A lot of us think that when we're saved, that he forgave our past sin, but now we've got to go through this future. What are we going to do about that? God saw you then, he sees you now, and he will see you in the future. He died for you anyway. Don't you let Satan fool you. There will be attack. You go harder. There will be attack, but you go harder. You get into the Word. You get into your Bible. You get into the Scriptures. You get on your face and you pray and you seek God that much harder because you need Him that much more. There will be fear. Go harder. You see, the people that were helping him rebuild the wall, they were, they were terrified. They were terrified about this attack that was coming. And they were pleading, please, please come, return to us, protect us, oversee us, watch over us, help us, because they're going to attack. Go harder. Go harder. There's a country song that, and not all country songs are accurate, to say the least. But there's one that says, if you're going through hell, keep on moving, don't slow down. You know that song? You're lying. <laughs> he said, I don't lose in the country. <laughs> Listen, when, you get, when you're afraid, keep moving, keep going, go harder. Don't stop. That's what Satan wants. He wants you to stop in the middle of the dark room. Because that's where fear is bred and it just bubbles over you. Don't slow down. You go harder. Yeah, you fell. Yeah, you fell last weekend. Yeah, I did too. I fell last week. You know what? I will fail tomorrow. But I'm not called to be perfect because I serve a perfect king. I'm not called to be righteous. I am called to live in his righteousness. I am not called to pay for my sin because he paid it all. It's Jesus Christ. We got to go harder because he gave it all. There is more to this life. I want you to look at this right here. And approaching the time, but um, we're going to let God move. Listen to what it says. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. There is more to this life. I'm not talking about rebuilding for 
Christmas in action. <clears throat> when I say let nothing stop you from your work, what I'm telling you is, is that you press into Christ and you let nothing pull you back. Let nothing pull you apart. Let nothing stray you from the truth. Let nothing get in between you because there's more to this life. And that's what we're here for at the well. We're calling men to be men. And we're calling boys to grow up because there's more to this than you. Your sons are watching you and your daughters are watching you. And if you do not press into Christ, and you will fail, I understand that. But how do you get up when you fall? Even your failures can teach them what not to do. And your victories can show them how they can win. This is so much bigger than me. It's so much bigger than you. We cannot slow down because there's more to this life. You fight for your sons. You fight for your daughters. You fight for your wife. You fight for your husband. You've got to understand. I have to start to understand that the things I do do not stop with me. We think that we can close the door, turn the blinds down, turn the lights off, and that's it. Nobody else is affected. That is slap wrong, a lie of the devil, and you will get eat up if you buy into that lie. Because let me tell you something, how you are affected by sin through the rest of the day, through the rest of the week, through the rest of the month will absolutely affect everyone else around you. Don't you know sin separates? Why do you think the text says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you? You know, there is a verse right in front of that that many people overlook. You know what it says? You know what it says? We've got to flee Satan. We've got to submit to God. We've got to turn away. We've got to run from Satan. We've got to get away from him. We've got to flee from him. We've got to turn away from the evil. We've got to stop doing all the bad. We've got to repent. We've got to turn away. Flee. Then we submit to God. Sin affects not only you, but everybody else that comes in contact with you. Even if they don't know it. We deal with it every single day. The simple fact, let me, let me give you an example. The sin in my life affected how I dealt with Titus last night. It affected the way that I discipline him. It affects the way that I talk to him. It affects the way that I lead him because of things that he has no idea. You know there's a text that says the sins of the father will pass down to the sons not many people get that text they think it's some kind of physical thing that or you know supernatural and it just follows you around what it really means is is that my son's going to have enough demons to fight on his own he don't need mine he doesn't need mine and the sins that i do the sins that i commit the, the places that i do not allow god to take over in my life and to cleanse me and sanctify me through the power of the Holy Spirit have abiding consequences that touch those around me. There's more to this life than what you think. Point number two, starting in verse 15, God is the one working through you. God is the one working, but he's working through you. You see, it is the work of God. It's not what we do with our hands and with our feet and with our mouths. It is what God does through us that matters. 
So like I said before, you can do all you want to do, but if it's not coming out of the abundance and the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you, then it is in vain. God is the one working, but he is working through you. And you understand that as we press into Christ and as we are sanctified by him and as each individual in this room, yes, you, you matter. You don't know how much you matter because God is looking to use you as a vessel to shine the glory of God and to carry him around like a, like a water pot, like a water pitcher. Carrying him around like we did at ladies night uh, the other night. Carrying him around and pouring him out to everyone else. Don't you understand? You're a vessel. You need to be used, filled up full with God. Singing his praises. Living in his glory. Taking advantage of his grace. So that then you can go into the surrounding communities. Into your workplace. Into your school. And you can be poured out like a little teapot. Short and stout. Be used by God. Fill people up. God wants to work. He wants to work through you. And don't you understand what that means? I don't know how many times I have to continue to remind myself of this and the people that surround me. The work that God uses you to do is not so much for them. Let me tell you something right now. I serve a sovereign God. I serve a God who will save who he wants to save, when he wants to save them, how he wants to save them. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. But what he is saying is, I'm going to go over there and I'm going to save Johnny. Heath, you want to come? Hey, you want to you go with me? We should be like, yeah, I want to go, I want to go. You know, every time I get to go somewhere, my boys, I, I hope that they can go. Because I either get this, you know, Ezekiel, he is very grumpy. He is. And if I'm going somewhere and he can't go, this is what I get. No, ask anybody in the room. He's the grumpiest kid I've ever met in my life. I love him. I'll die for him. He might be the one who kills me. <laughs> but we get this. If I go somewhere and he can't go, he'll be like, <laughs> does he not? Am I lying? I mean the whole head thing and everything. He's crazy. Be used. Be used. We've got to be used to be poured out. We've got to be effectively reaching those around us. We've got to be available. Are you available? You know, this whole theme carries throughout Scripture. I wish we had all day. But in Jeremiah, it says, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the, 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 the living waters the overflowing abundance of everything that you ever need. You could stand. You see, your work does not depend on your hands and your ability, but it depends on how you will position yourself under the waterfall of the grace of God, the Holy Spirit, and stand like this. Give it to me, God. And he will pour out on you, open up the, the windows of heaven, and just, bleh, blessing. He had never seen a preacher do that before, I promise. I don't know you'll ever see it again. But what I'm saying is he wants to just dump it out on you so much that you're like, and God will have, listen, wouldn't it be cool if God was blessing you so much, so much, you couldn't hardly handle the blessing. We can't handle the sin, the curse. God does not want that. We've got to stop living in the curse and start living in the blessing because God's got so much blessing that it could just be you're drowning in blessing. 
Man, what do y'all think about that? You could be, oh, I can't hardly take it. It's so good. Have you ever been close to God and it be like, I don't know what to do? If y'all had never been there, I'm sorry. Because I've, I've seen that before. I've had my, and it's not nothing, it's not anything super, spect- it's just open up to God, worship music playing. I'm like, I think I'm going to throw up. <laughs> I talked to Wesley about that one night, and he's like, he looked at me like I was stupid. <laughs> and then he got to think about it, I think he's like, well, okay, I know what to say. God is, God is not just a bunch of words. We've got to get away from that. And those of you who are just looking at me like I'm crazy right now, I really feel sorry for you. I'm not the crazy one, I promise you. God wants to lavish love on you like you've never experienced in your entire life. Those of you who have never experienced that kind of love, let me give you a hint of it out of a parallel that he made, not me. When, when I got married to my wife, I, you know, I don't, the wedding thing, you know, she planned it all, spent all the money, like literally all the money. But there was one part that made it all worth it. And I, my God knows that I'm telling the truth. When I was standing up there with Hambonio, and that music started, and those doors opened, there she was. That was like that, oh, man, that, wow. And I'll tell you, tears. That's a hint. God loves you beyond all measure and this king of glory gave himself up for you that's enough to make you go oh I could get a little deeper into that but I'm getting a little embarrassed (laughs) knowing God is at work let me me say this last thing on that Martin Luther said Martin Luther one of the greatest reformers he said, and I can just imagine him, he'd do it like this. This is what he said, quote, I've had thoughts of the Lord so delicious I cannot share them. <laughs> do you have delicious thoughts of the Lord? And now some of you are like, man, I got to go. <laughs> Where, where's the exit? Are the ushers going to keep the doors closed? <laughs> Let me tell you something, God is delicious. He's the sweetest thing you'll ever put in your mouth. Savor him. Fall in love to the degree that he changes everything in your life. Then don't you see the work that you do will not be work anymore. It will be pleasure. Amen? Amen. That's good. That's not mine. Knowing God is at work should make us go to work. As I tell you these things about what God has done, it should breed something inside of you, and I, and I hope that it is. Some of you have hardened hearts, okay? My heart gets hardened from time to time. Some of you, you just turn me off because I'm just crazy, okay? But I'm telling you, God wants to hit another level with you. God wants to hit a, hit a level of intimacy that is beyond anything that you've ever known. It is next level Christianity. I'm not talking about the churchy stuff. You know, there's a church here. Good many number of people here. That's all well and good, cool, whatever. You give me 20 that will go deep down next level. We'll get more done than 500 that just go to church. It's not about the numbers. It's about the souls. 
We want to see souls ravaged and changed by the love of God. And we want to see them ferociously chasing after Jesus Christ and changed from the inside out so that it doesn't stop here, that we can't even stop it here if we wanted to stop it here because we can't stop you because we can't stop the Spirit of God that is inside of you. God wants to move, whether I'm talking and running my mouth, whether Wesley's singing, it doesn't matter. God is moving, and he will continue to move and grow and progress inside of you to the degree that you understand what Jesus done and press into him. It's about Jesus. Knowing God is at work should make us go to work. Sometimes you just have to get in there and get it done. Sometimes you have to get in there and get it done. You see, they <coughs> I'm running out of time, I'm go a little bit longer there came a point in the building where they were there was attack coming from all sides but the work couldn't stop the work couldn't stop so it came a point in time that they had to actually take the trowel the tool that they were working with and a sword in one hand and a trowel in the other and they were going to work and ready to fight the enemy with the other hand sometimes you just got to get her done sometimes you got to do what you need to do and it might be it might make your work harder it might make it harder to get into the Word when you've got that internal attack. It might make it harder to get into the Word when you've got attack coming from the outside. It might make it harder to get into the Word. It might make it harder to fellowship with other believers. It might make it harder to go to church because you're under attack, because you have bitterness in your heart, because you have unforgiveness, because you have frustration. But you go harder. You get in there and you continue to go because it's not about you. It's about God Almighty and it's about the work of Jesus Christ. We cannot stop. Sometimes you have to get in there and get it done. <laughs> My middle son, again, Ezekiel, he does this funny thing. And it, immediately when I was doing this, I thought of this example because sometimes you just got to get it done. He's almost three, will be three uh, the 18th of Monday. Well, at this point in his life, <coughs> and the other boy, Titus, actually not old enough yet, but Titus was the same way. And those of you who have kids will know what I'm talking about. There's a point in their life where they need to blow their nose. But they don't know how to blow their nose. To me, it's like, but every time I put the napkin, the tissue over his nose, he goes, he sucks in. And I'm like, no, 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 blow out. So I've tried things. I like, I like cover his mouth and grab, the, grab his nose. I'm like, okay, blow out. And I think if I just continue to hold his mouth, he's got to come out of his nose sometimes. Well, <laughs> well, there will be several times where I'll catch him picking his nose. And I'll say, see, we call him see, see, stop picking your nose. And he'll look at me and say, but there's something in there. And I'm thinking he can't blow it. And there's something in there. Sometimes you just got to get her done. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? I'm telling you, sometimes you got to find a way. It might not be pretty. It might not be lovely. It might get a little dirty. I want to tell you right now, sometimes it's, I'm the preacher, and a lot of the times it's projected on me this false sense of righteousness. I'm going to tell you right now, 
see, as in every service, we have, we're going all the way to number four. In every service, we've been hitting hard that the work is not your work, it's the work of, of God. You see, the truth of the matter is, is that your work is useless without a foundation. And we've kind of been hitting this hard all service long. But until you understand this, and if you don't hear anything else with the whole service, you really, really, really need to hear this. And all of you, and can I do this? It might be a little different than what we normally do. But I want you to say out loud with me, God speaks to me. Can you say that to me? God speaks to me. One more time. All of us together. God speaks. Because you need to hear the voice of God, the voice of reason, the voice that is saying, I'm here. I've done what needs doing so that you could live. Unless you see Christ, unless Christ's work has been made effective in your life, it's no good. You see, there's two ways that we can go about doing life. Everybody listen to me right now. Pay attention. There are two ways that we can go about life. That we can approach our everyday tasks. You will find yourself in one of these two places. I want you to own it. I want you to know it. So that if need be, you can overcome it. The one way that we go through life is that we work or live in order to gain acceptance, love, and peace. We do and we do and we do so that people will like us, so that we will be accepted where we are, so that we can be loved, so that we can appease a God that we think is mad at us. How do you walk through life? We live in one of these two places. Do you live and work and move and breathe in order to gain acceptance? love and peace. And you're continually working all of the time trying to earn a little more love, a little more peace, and a little more respect. Or, or, we will live our life. We will do our work. We will continue on because we have received acceptance, love, and peace. You are either living life to get acceptance, or you're living life because you have gotten acceptance. Where are you at? You are definitely in one of those two places. You see, until the work of Christ has taken effect in you, your work is in vain, and your life is a puff of smoke, here for a little while, and gone tomorrow. I don't want you to be forgotten. I don't want you to be cast into a place where you're eternally separated from a God who loves you. I don't want to see that happen to you. I don't want to see you go through the rest of this life not knowing what happiness is and not feeling the love of God at times so much that you're like, oh. Everyone please stand to your feet.
I'm begging you, God. I am begging you, God, as I lift up the people that are under the sound of my voice and my heart as well. Ravage us, oh God, right now. Come like a fierce thief in the night to steal our heart away, to show us and open our eyes to clearly see your face. God, we want to know you. We long for you. We beg that you would pray, that you would send the Spirit to fall heavy on us today. You see, until the, the work of Christ takes effect in you, there's nothing to this life except a bunch of nonsense. I want you to think about Nehemiah and the wall. You see, Nehemiah was working hard. He was toting the materials and he was doing awesome work. Nehemiah was doing amazing things. He rallied the troops. He got them together. He, he, he got letters from the king, Artaxerxes of Persia, who was no friend of anybody that was doing anything good. But God led, and God moved him to be able to, to move a nation to make it rise out of the dust, and he rebuilt the walls in 52 days. 52 days. He changed the world in 52 days, only to have it crumble again only to have it crumble again. You see, Christ, Christ is the greater Nehemiah. You see, Nehemiah might have rallied the troops and he fought and he did some building in 52 days only to have it crumble again. But Jesus Christ did the work. He didn't hammer the nails. He got hammered by the nails. He didn't come with an army. He came all alone. The walls weren't raised. He was raised on a cross. You see, He did the work. He took the nails. And His work lasts for eternity. His walls never fall. Christ died to build your life for all of eternity. And it will not fall. There is no hope in all the work that you're doing unless the work of Christ has taken root inside of you. And I ask you today, do you live your life? Do you do what you do in order to gain acceptance, in order to have somebody love you, in order to know a God that has not come to be worshipped by hands? He does not live in a temple made by the hands of man, but He came and died on the cross so that He could live in your heart forever. That is the work of God. That is the work of God. Who among you is tired today of working to no end? Who is tired of working and working and working and never seeing anything done? Could it be that you've never known the work of God in your own life? Maybe there are some among you today that you have known the work but as in the book of Habakkuk, you need for the work of God to be revived. And you need to once again recognize the work of God in your life and to be consumed by the hammer and the nails in the hands of Christ. Let it be the foundation of everything that you do, everything that you say, every breath that you take. There's more to this life. Where are you today? You're either living to get it 
or you're living because you got it. And he stands today with arms open wide and says, here it is. Would you come get it? Would you come get it? John chapter 6, the work of God is this, to believe on the one that he sent. Let's do work this morning. I will be here repenting of my sin and asking God to revive his work in my soul. Who will join me today for that? Who will be saved today and experience the true work of God? Please do not wait. I beg you, do not wait another second, another minute. God will save.